And now, Touch My Bass Productions presents The Shootout with Bill Lynch. All right, welcome once again to the Wrestling Shootout. I am your host, Survivor of Pain, Bill Blanchard, sponsored by Touch My Bass Productions. And tonight, I'm with my very, very good friend, co-owner of this uh, Touch My Bass Productions. Well, actually, he is the owner. I just was helping out. <laughs> He's also the producer of The Bite. Speaking of The Bite, we're here with Top China Chinese food and we're eating egg rolls and chicken and sesame chicken with shrimp fried rice. Damn, dude, looks good. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we got tonight. I've got um, my good, like I said, my good friend here, Christopher Dickens. We're doing a show here tonight, Chris. Tonight we're gonna talk about our careers at the Pain Foundation, wow. the tag team, our highs and lows in wrestling, and the reason why I mean you both kind of walked out in AWF, you know, Ooh. about the same time when it's a touch of subject with some people. But you know, before I get into that, you know, I, I want to sit there and say there's a lot of negative opinions we're gonna you know express ourselves, but we've already spoke to these guys. You know, we're cool with them. You know, but, you know, this is our chance to clear the way, and I'll give the opportunity to say things on, on, you know, on their defense as well. You know, but, you know, Christopher, uh, let's get this show started, big man. Sounds good. Wait, when, when, did, when did we start as the Pain Foundation? Oh. I, was, I know it was in 99. It was in 99. Um, the tail end of summer 1999, to be exact. I remember us going to uh, a local Walmart. Mm. We were talking about teaming up because you were taking me under your wing at that point. I was a 16-year-old, skinny, 176 pounds. If I saw myself today, I'd whip my own ass. I think it was 156 pounds. Whatever. I'd whip my own ass if I saw myself today. That's how nerdy I was. But anyway, we went and got the matching jackets, the matching uh, gym pants, everything mm-hmm. to, to go with this team. And if I If I remember correctly, it was... It was Chain Reaction. Yep, Chain Reaction. That was the night the famous, um, the night um, Hurricane Ben Hill laid down. Now, keep in mind, fans, back then, and that's 99, AWF was real wrestling, actual shoot competition. I used to call it Stu Hart Wrestling, Dungeon Wrestling. I used to call it back then. You know, and well, back then, Jay wanted to be champion so damn bad. Ben actually agreed to do a job as long as Jay did a job right back to him where he just kind of Falsify, make everybody think they have a real match, you know, and Ben Lotley shows to be a pin to be exact, you know, winning the belt. But on that same night, now we didn't know at the time what was going on, you know, but we wanted something special to happen that night, you know. The tag team belts, we got, they got vacated, and I told the Jays, well, if you want to team up with Ben, Ben Hill agreed to do it, put the tag team belts up, you and you know, him and Hurricane versus me and you. And the rest is history. The rest we is ended history. Up- Winning the tag team championships that night. It was an hour long, an hour and a half long match. That was a good hard fight. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few times. Hmm. Sorry. Mouthful. Chinese food really good. It was one of the few times that I actually went through a match and gave it 110% without, you know, just saying, F it, pin me, I'm done, I quit. And, you know, I take pride in that night. I really do. It's one of the. Uh, Crowning achievements of uh, my AWF career. I, I didn't make the pinfall. I didn't make, um, you know, Christian Fury or Mask Fury, though he never wore a mask. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he ever wore a mask. Did he? Mm-mm. No, Mask Fury, he didn't You're the one that made him submit that night. Well, he didn't tap out. He screamed a lot of pain. I had an arm bar submission moves, and, you know, I was kicking the crap out of him. You know, I've already took out Hurricane Ben Hill. No, right, I heard, I heard him so bad, he passed out the pain. Ben Hill, he didn't want to tap back into the match. 
you know, and Jay, I'm with Jay's arm off his socket, you know, with an arm bar, and the referee at the time just stopped the match. He almost broke Fury's arm, so they just stopped the match, and we, we won the tag team straps that night. Mm-hmm. You know, but we had us, we had, we had another good matchup, my friend. Um, we ended up taking on, we were feuding with Darkseid. You know, we took on our good friend at the time, uh, Tim Gagner, and his newcomer, Jeffrey Moneypenny. <laughs> now, Jeffrey Moneypenny was like, what, six foot three, 250 pounds? And he was a big dude. He was six foot five, almost 300 something pounds. A jock on the Harlem High School football team. He was really? a somebody. Everybody in Dark Side was a somebody when it comes to the social standings of our teenage life. Tristan Guilford, Tim Gagner, Jeffrey Moneypenny, all of them. D'Angelo, wasn't he? Angelo Rodriguez. Yeah. They were all in sports in some way, shape, or form. Mostly football, but they were all athletic. And I remember going into that match thinking, you know, this is going to be a hard-fought battle. I looked right up at the guy. I said, Christopher, get comfortable. I'm not tagging in no time soon. I'm thinking, I'm going to have the fight of my life, man. This dude was freaking huge. Bell rings. One, two, three, four, five. No, it was uh, about, about 14 seconds. I was counting down to that. Oh, okay, okay. Well, it got to about 14. Next thing you know, the arms drop when you got him into uh headlock. Headlock, arms drop, one, two, three. Match is over. Yeah, Ben Hill, he was refereeing that match, and then we locked him. I stunts on that headlock. I hear him crunching and like in pain, like, yeah. And I crunch on the headlock. He went straight down on the ground. And I'm reaching as hard as I could. Trying to squeeze the life out of his body. And all I heard, I didn't see, you know, Ben Hill count. All I heard was three bones to the ground. I thought he tapped out at first. It was like, boom, boom, boom. And it was, all right, it's over. Ring the bell, ding, ding. And I was like, what? But I was so shocked at what just happened, you know. And then, and then I thought it was funny, Chris. You got in the ring in front of the camera. You said, we did it. You let, And, yeah, you, you like, goes. No, Bill did it. And you're <laughs> and like, it was a team effort. <laughs> man, that was awesome. That was that was good. My, probably one of my favorite matches was that match only because you know, these guys were been dominant. And that was the first initial meeting that Dark Side had with DP2000 or the Pain Foundation. And we represented it well, man. We beat that tag team in about 12 to 14 seconds. And then they disappeared shortly after. Oh, yeah. They never served faces after that again. You know, but... um. You know, moving on, we actually had um some other matches. You know, one match we didn't quite happen. We're supposed to take on, you know, me and Alan Lou Wink as a tag team belts. Him and Jay were gonna become a tag team. I forgot what they were gonna be called. You remember? You know, Shadow and Fury were gonna team up brief, real briefly. They're gonna be a tag team and they kinda took the belts. Maybe it was the masked shadows. <laughs> I can't remember. It was something. You know, and we're at Ryan's parking lot, you know, filming this as they uh, agreed to be tag team champions. You know, then all of a sudden, I handed off the camera to Jay and said, hey, film this real quick. And me and you just kind of like walk face to face. I don't think you even knew what I was going to say. Tell me, has this guy's ever fault a foundation or experience what true brotherhood really is? You know, and then me and you just kind of went along with it. And then Jay and Alan kind of like, what the hell just happened here, you know, and then. I thought that was pretty cool, but you know, moving on past that, you know, we uh, we started doing um, some pro wrestling and everything. I'd love for you to tell this story. Um, this is my first time coming to Flatline, right? The mm-hmm. Daniel Maine's uh, backyard. I remember, you know, and you didn't, you had no idea I was coming. Nope. 
and I called Jay. I was this is back when I was full time active duty United States Marine Corps, and Jay hadn't gotten into the Army yet or the Marines at that point. And I called him up and I said, "Hey, dude, I'm going to go wrestle." I said, like, "Cool, can I show up?" He was like, "Yeah, I got this great idea, you know." And we pulled up this guy's house, which is Daniel Main's house, and he said, "Wait right here, we're going to play your music." You know, I convinced him to do a program with Chris in the ring. And why don't you take over from there, man? Okay. So let's backtrack a bit. Okay. This is the second show after the agreement with what we called Sports Entertainment Incorporated. It was a treaty between Flatline Championship Wrestling and what at the time was American Wrestling Federation after the incidents at Winter War Zone, where we agreed we would share talent, share footage. And, you know, be mutual working partners. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, we roll into this show, and Daniel Main and me are in the ring. We're having a conversation, mostly a heated argument. And then, here comes Fury. One thing I'll say, and now, pausing this for a second on that story and going into another... The one thing I will give Daniel Maine a couple of props on. We sit on here, you know, we always say Mask Fury never wore a mask. No, he never wore a mask. Do you know that's the same thing Daniel Maine said to him back when he joined Flatline in really? 2001? He said, what's your wrestling name? I'm Mask Fury. You have a mask? No. Then why the hell are you called Mask Fury? <laughs> From here on in, you're just known as Fury. You wrestle for Flatline, you're known as Fury. Ever since then, he was just Fury. But he came out. And we're face-to-face, and we're having an argument, and, you know, he's saying this, this, this. I can't remember the exact conversation. But I remember him pointing. And then I remember hearing, he's American made. And I remember the demeanor on my face. After I watched the video afterward. The demeanor on my face went from happy to holy shit in 2.5 seconds. Camera pans, and here comes you. I know, right? Swole, American flag do-rag, Marine Corps shirt, just flexing the whole time. You get in the ring, and the first thing you do is walk right up to my face. You're staring me down. Because Warren spit your face, too, didn't he? You did. I was pissed off at you at the time. You did. And then it started off as a handicap. And the next person that comes out is Draven. Oh, to yeah, be my, my first, tag my first encounter with Brandon Parker. Yep. That was He come out to be my partner, and the whole time that's going on, you're sitting there watching him. And I remember shortly after the match was over, you come up, you shook my hand, and you're like, hey, everything's cool. Just had to get that out there. I'm like, okay, wish to have known you were coming. I love surprises. What can I say? <laughs> but, um... There about, was, ahead, it was an intense moment. I mean, it was one of the more shocking moments in AWS history. Even though it happened at a flatline show, it was still AWF. But I have to give you your props. You caught me off guard that night. It was really cool that night to do that. You know, we had a lot of good times, man. We had a lot of you know, fun and laughs in the roads of professional wrestling. I mean, you were very instrumental. I remember 2004, you know, I wanted to wrestle one last time before I went to Afghanistan to fight in combat. I remember how 
you know, nervous I was, and you really gave me a really good pep talk about, you know, it was time for Al-Qaeda and the Taliban to meet the survivor of pain, you know, and it really made me feel good. But, you know, when I came home, those 10 days of leave, you know, you you called, you called Daniel and gave me a chance to wrestle and flatline, get a chance to kind of say goodbye to my friends in that area. You know, I mean, you went out there and had a pretty decent one-on-one match. You know, I enjoyed it. Really you know, fast. It was five minutes. You know, they gave, gave, they gave us ring time. But, you know, for whatever reason, I don't understand to this day about what happened. But, you know, but I also remember the match. You, you, you personally booked this match is when finally, you know, it was a big what-if factor between myself and David Clark. You know, between a lot of the boys, who was the biggest and who was the strongest and who was the toughest. You know, all, all doubt was named. And you booked that match at Backyard Brawl 6 when I took on David Clark for the heavyweight strap, you know. And um, we went, like, what, about 36 minutes, I think, my I made him submit. You know, but I, I personally weren't thankful for that match, man. It gave me, you know, a lot of confidence before I went to Afghanistan, you know. But, you know, we've had some other matches as far as pro wrestling. You know, when you start doing – you know, sports entertainment with wrestling. I remember in 2000 and, um, what year was it when, uh, Cruz and, uh, Cheryl Alden came and the independent guys came and kind of invaded. It was 2011? 2010. 2010, 2011? It was 2010. I remember we did a tag match against Jeremy Cruz and, and uh, David Coleman. Coleman. David Coleman, that tag match, you know. It I, took I was place the after time. Total Van Carnage 2010. Yeah, yeah. When I lost to... Jeremy Cruz, and he signed the AWF contracts in my own blood. Then, and we had to turncoat. Justin Chambers turncoated on us that night. Yep, yep. The next week, we'll come out there, and you know, the AWA, the new era shows up, and we have David. We were bringing out David Coleman as a new signee to AWF. In that same night. They said there was a new member of New Era, and I ended up getting a freaking code breaker. Uh-huh. So yeah, it set it up. The, it set up the match between me and you, with me and you versus them two, Jeremy Cruz and David Coleman. They come out, and I mean, you could tell this is the house that AWF, you know, half-heartedly built. We had a makeshift ring. I can say it's the house that AWF built. It's the house that AWF makeshift built. <laughs> remember, remember, Twitter helped build that ring. So. I know. It, it was a really good ring. <laughs> it was a really good ring. And I remember I remember our music hit. And we're in the back waiting. And as soon as we come out, it was a reuniting of the Pain Foundation after so long. Yep. You drop down, you flex, and I stand up and I do my little arm cross pose and um, play six. Loaded. I mean, there was so much energy in that in that arena that day for me and you for AWF in general. It was yes. just it was just something that you had to be there to experience. Every move we did garnered attention. I think my personal favorite in that match was when you grabbed Jeremy Cruz and you lifted him up and sort of like a bow and arrow. Yeah. And I come running and I leg drop the, on the back of the neck. Oh, I remember I did the Boston Crab and I tagged you. That was it, the Boston yeah, Crab. I had the Boston Crab. And he's know. sitting there screaming skullduggery and I run in and I jump and hit the leg drop to the back of the neck. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of getting the crowd's emotions going and I'm feeling it. And next thing I hear is from Jeremy Cruz, fuck you, Chris Dickinson. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Beat your ass some more. 
you know, speaking of beating ass, we got to tell this story. Okay, let's let, let let's lay it on the line because everyone this this match is still talked about when me and you had a few months prior to the uh, indie guys invasion where uh, with, with New Era invading us about it one last, one last stand? stand in two thousand nine. Oh man! Now I want I want to set the record straight here. Okay, me and you was walking around Go Town and we're trying to come up with good storyline ideas for AW. You know, so I don't know if it was October or November because we're about to do a couple match series, and I said, you know, we gotta get some heat on you. And I thought, what can we do that has not been done? It was know? in October. It had come off the heels of me and uh, Fury announcing that we were in cahoots with each other. Uh, we were basically controlling everything that was going on. Yeah. And then we came up with the idea. Well, it was more you than me. Yeah. Of, at the time, was now your ex Wife. My, my ex-wife, Rebecca. Okay, this, this is what was going on. You know, we was going to do a matchup where, you know, at, at Roll the Dice, you know, and what was the weekly show was called back then? Was it Addiction or? I think it was Addiction. I might been Addiction. We've got so many of them. Well, anyway, you know, Roll, roll the Dice, we had a pretty good one-on-one match. You know, it took a couple hard bumps in that match. I remember one time I tried to initiate the own version of the Diamond Cutter on the RKO, and then when I yanked you, I actually pulled your head and collided to tip of my brain. Almost knocked me out. The finish of that match, though, was was perfect. Oh, yeah. Fury was a ref. Yeah. The rules was I could do whatever I wanted. It was no holes barred, but you had to follow strict wrestling rules and regulations. Because you claimed so much that you were a traditional wrestler, so I threw yeah, that on you. A traditional shooter. I'm a submission specialist. So I was like, you got to follow the rules of the match. You can get disqualified. You can get counted out. I can do whatever I want. Finish of the match was beautiful. I attack Fury, the referee. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get disqualified for that because it's legal for me to do it. Go over, and I'm shaking Fury. Wake up. I got a sign. You're getting up from something I did. Got the sign ready. I'm ready to swing. I'm ready to knock you out. And right before Fury wakes up, I go to swing, smack myself in the head, throw the sign at you, and fall out. And Fury gets up, sees you with the sign, me knocked out. Disqualification. (laughs) (laughs) I remember hearing in the crowd, as soon as I did it, it's like, who? Boom, you did not. You did not do that. Oh my God, what the hell? You're worse than Ric Flair. You're worse than this guy. You're worse than that guy. I'm sitting there going, I'm Chris Dickens. What the hell do you expect from me? I mean, I, I actually came up with the idea of that finish. You know where I got it from? Hmm. I actually thought it was on, uh, back when I was a kid on WCW, uh, Worldwide Wrestling. They had a Saturday, after, a Saturday afternoon show. And Rick Steiner was in a one-on-one match with Michael PSAs with Jimmy Jam Garvin was at ringside. And, you know, and the same kind of scenario, referee was down, you know, and Jimmy John Garvin tosses the board, but somehow Rick Steiner catches it, looks at the board, and Michael, Michael PSA just kind of falls to the ground like he just got whacked. The referee sees Michael PSA is out, sees Steiner with the board, and he just rings the bell and squashed by Steiner. I thought that would have been See, I didn't, know it was, I didn't know it was from WCW. Yeah, I thought it was, was from Eddie Guerrero because he did the same thing yeah, in the match. He did the same thing in the match. He took a steel chair and hit the ground, yeah. threw it at the guy, and then dropped. Drops. Y-T-T Steels, man. God bless Eddie Guerrero, man. But that matchup rolled into but, yeah, the, the whole, whole scenario. The whole, the whole scenario where, you know, you was going to force do a rematch. Roll the dice, you know, where I was going to get you on one last thing. I was going to get a rematch. But 
I didn't want to wait till one last time. We did an addiction show. I think oh, it was a lumberjack match. Mm-hmm. Where everyone you screwed over got to be at ringside. Yep. And every time I toss you out in the ring, everyone, you know, got to bang you, kick you, whatever. You know, when, when I finally beat you for the match and won the title, I thought it was a close idea. I'm, you know, I'm going to put a diaper on you. I put a diaper and, and baby powder on you, you know, and I thought that was just priceless. And you're kind of looking at me. You see that diaper on you. Like, I you probably came to you, you know. You're looking at me. You see the diaper on you, power you. are just like, what the hell? You tried to kick me or something. All the advocates just kind of jumped on you. And, and then, I thought it was hilarious. And then James Houston comes out and has a put, pulls a gun on me. Oh, gosh. Show goes off. All you hear is a gunshot and me screaming. And the next week you find out that he shot me in the ass. <laughs> But that's not the, that's not the story here going. What the story was? Yeah, I was trying to outdo you. I was trying to humiliate you. You had to get back me the worst way at Chris Dickens' faction, and you brought your wife and kid to the <laughs> ring that night to celebrate. to celebrate. Yeah. So I went to your house. I drugged your wife. Yes, you did. And then filmed myself. Yeah, you, you filmed yourself sticking in my house. Put something in my wife's drink. They didn't know you was even there. You freaking pervert. Were you hiding in the closet or something? You wasn't there. <laughs> you wasn't supposed to be there. And then I filmed myself climbing in the bed with your wife and telling you, I'm going to take from you the one thing that means more to you than the championship. Because the championship means the world to me, but this means everything to you. And that was supposed to get into your brain and get into your psyche. So you really, you did, you, undid, you undid your pants down your own nowhere, probably in the bed with Rebecca. So did, did you last longer than two seconds? It lasted as long as the camera lasted. <laughs> but for a second entertainment purposes. I know. Very and it young. still didn't get over. It was my idea if you were basically date drive and rape my wife. No, it got over. But here's the thing. You know, what, what, what got over with the, with the fans was the whole Tim Gatter getting fired Kind of deal. I got more heat than anything that you raping my wife or crying out loud. Oh my god, I fired Jim Gagner. I, I mean, you didn't want to. That's fine. You well, fired Jim Gagner. Well, see, we didn't want to brutally make it look like you just brutally, you know, we, we didn't make it, make it too graphic and everything, but, you know. Uh, you just did this to his wife, but, you know, I can forgive that, but you fired Tim Gagner. But go back what you did, though. You know, when you, when you were showing this to me, you had uh, a dark side holding me freaking down. You know, mm-hmm. I'm witnessing all this. I'm getting all emotional. Apparently, I done blacked out. I done got psychotic. I done got crazy. Then let's get to the match. You know, I'm in the One corner. last stand. Championship belt. You know, I'm in the zone. Two out of three. And everyone is thinking, is Bill going to snap or something? And what was going through your mind right before the match? The whole night, I was in every segment just about. Just about. I screwed over everybody. I took Midnight's, Midnight's fiance and threatened to beat her in her stomach until she lost their soon-to-be-born child. That was Karina. That was Karina. Yeah. I fired Tim Gagner, primetime Tim Sanders. I cost the tag team championship belts to a group. I can't remember which one. I screwed over the North American champion. I beat the crap out of Jay Stone. And then I rolled into the the very last, the main event, with two high hopes. Falls. Two out of three falls. 
First was a pinfall, second mm-hmm. was submission, and the third, if it would have been last man standing. One of my famous matches is the one that I was, you know, synonymous for was those three in a row. And I'm sitting across the ring, and I'm looking at you. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you get psyched up. I'm like, okay, this is going to be intense. He's going to be stiff as hell. I'm not going to know how much pain tolerance I'm going to have, but I'm going to get through this match. We didn't even talk before what we were going to do. We no. didn't know that we were just going to go at it. We agreed that the best way to have a, a great match is to wing it. Only talk about certain things in the during the match, but don't plan up now. I'm not a fan of scripting out an entire match. My whole philosophy behind a match is is one of two things. Either we call it as we go, right. or you come up with a start. How are we going to start the match? What are the high spots of the match? You know, Where are you getting your heat? Where are you getting your shine? Where am I going to steal your shine? What's going to be the climax of the match? And then go from there. We decided we were going to wing it. We were going to go in the ring and call it as we go. Make it more interesting. Yes. Sitting there and I'm waiting for the bell. I'm waiting for the bell. I'm waiting for the bell. Do to him what he did to your wife! Oh, crap. That's what I heard from the crowd. And I seen your look change. And... The one thing I remember was seeing your look change like completely. You went from I'm psyched up to I'm fixing to kill you. Then the bell rings. You charge in and I'm ducking. You take me down and you start doing the ground and pound. You're punching. I'm blocking. And you're doing the traditional ground and pound but then you went one step further and you come up and you started throwing hooks and throwing hooks and that's mine. But that's fine. That's Chris's. That's Sorry, it's it's okay. You sure? Yeah, it's okay. It's Sorry, that's my son and government. His son's right. here. You know, it's, it's anyways, cool. anyways. Anyways, um, you're doing the ground and pound. And then you start doing like straight jabs. And all you see from the footage, you see one hit. Two hits. Third hit, I'm out. Because you knocked my arm back away from my temple, and I third hit, you connected. And I don't remember anything after that. But watching the video, you're a sadistic SOB. (laughs) I'm still punching. Because you're still punching, and then you go from punching me in the face to punching me in the nads. (laughs) Then you go from punching me in the nads to kicking me in the nads. I'm trying to be nice about it. I punch three hard shots. And then you go, oh shit. (laughs) You hear other people around going, I think he's knocked out. Do you think we should go in and help him? I'm not getting Uh, in the ring with that guy. I'm not getting in the ring with that guy. Just go ahead and pin him. You pin me. Alright. Then the referee. Second fall. Submission. You say, oh, no, 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 no. You taught her. You taught her. No, no, no. I, 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 um, I grounded pound. They touched your arm three times. You was out. A second fall started with submission. I think I was trying to put you in the figure for a lead locker or something. And they pinned you in. You know. No, no, no. I started to put you in something. It went, it went two straight falls. I pinned you the first time. And that's why, that's why I hit you. With those, uh, you know, nut shots. That's when they did the, the drop, yeah, they, which they counted as arm. being a tap out. Tap out. 
Yeah. Well, okay. Now, from my perspective on that scenario, you know, I'm waiting for the bell to ring. You know, I'm like, body. I'm in the zone. You know, I'm hitting myself in the face. You know, I'm getting fired up. I'm doing I'm the adrenaline. I'm in a big world title match. It's the month of December, the last show of the year. I want to make it memorable. It's thirty degrees you know, outside. It was thirty degrees outside, or maybe twenty. I don't know, but I didn't feel cold. All I felt was the intensity. Dude, I was fired up. Because you had a lot of heat, you know. You were you were a pretty well known, famous back then. I mean, everybody looked up to you. You you had a great matchup with CJ earlier that year at Dedication when you first won the title. You know, I feel like this is my opportunity to showcase just how good I was. You know, so I wanted to be a good match. I wanted to be a good fight. Well, you really knocked it out, didn't you? Well, yeah, I knocked it out apart. You know, but keep this in mind. Now, you know, Tim Gagner. What kind of pissed me off was Tim had told me that you didn't want to do the match. That you're, you said it was 20, it was great outside, the ground was like ice, you did not want to do the match, you know, because it was like, you were trying to find a way to get out of it, hey, what if I just did B or whatever, I don't know, I don't know, you know, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Tim, I'm not worried about it, me and Chris Aguardo and Russell, I asked you before the match, like, you ready? He's like, yeah, man, ready, let's do this thing, I'm like, alright, let's go do it. So when the bell rings... Yeah, I heard everyone say, I'm trying not, I'm trying not to laugh at this point because they were like, do the hell we did in your life. And apparently, I thought I'm just going to black out and seriously just jack somebody up and hurt somebody. You know, I'm just kind of like, nah, nah, I'm not falling for it, you know. But when a bell rung, dude, I charged. I was punching, I was hitting from knees and that famous word. I put you in front, front face headlock and I flipped you over on the end of a tub and I started grabbing and pounding, which compliments of Mark Coleman and the natural Randy Couture. That's where I got that from. Yep. You know, you know, you know Mark Coleman was considered the father of Ground and Pound. Randy was like, I'm not sorry, Mark Coleman was the grandfather of Ground and Pound. Randy Couture was the father. I like to consider myself the grandson of the Ground and Pound. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so when I, my, my freaking hitting you, you know, I'm hitting with shots. I, this I didn't realize you were knocked out at the time when I was punching you. When you was out, I'm still punching you and I'm hitting you. And I'm just so into it. I'm so into it when I was hitting you. I thought you were just selling. And then after I put you in the hole and tucked your arm three times, then I still I hold you up your freaking legs. You know, I kicked you. I punched you three times because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Tim said Chris is going to try to fake get knocked out. Well, it always works. If you're not knocked out, one shot to the nuts is going to wake you right up. I hit you. And I hit you, and I hit you. Your body is just, just barely shaking. You know, you have no motions. And I can tell you're breathing kind of funny. And I stop. I hold my chin. I was like, oh, crap. What well, I'm looking around. What do I do? So I remember I put my foot top of your chest. And, of course, the, the three count happened. And I'm trying to look at everybody else. Oh, my God. Did I just kill him? You know, and of course, they went into the ring. I was checking. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, the first thing in that meth was, give me some ibuprofen. <laughs> first thing, yeah, I need ibuprofen. And I'm like... Why am I wet and cold? Why yeah. am I hurting? Yeah. And everybody goes, you got met with the pain express. And I'm like, that's... The pain express. Right. <laughs> and then they, they rewound the tape back and showed me. And I'm like, oh my God. And I remember the first words from... I looked at you and I'm like... You're like, I, I didn't know you were knocked out. I'm like, you didn't realize after the first nut shot... I had to do I six or seven. Missed. I thought I might have missed. I had to make sure I get it. You know, 
Ladies and gentlemen, small targets. I was trying to make sure. Bill Blanchard is the reason why Chris Dickens probably will never have a child. Oh come on! I think Twitter has has some kind of credit. Uh, All right, David Clark with the eight ball nut shot. Oh god! Okay, Chris Dickens is the reason why Chris Dickens didn't have any kids. (laughs) Okay, but but um, you know, I mean, we've had some good matches and some good tag team matches over the years, man. And I know this is this is a two part series. We're going to do part two in just a minute. You know, but you know, I had to tell you, man. You know. Doing this podcast is, you know, it's giving a lot of wrestlers a good chance to just let things out, you know, let things out in the open, get it off the chest, but reminisce some good times too. But you know, it was no bad feeling. I, I, I still feel like to this day I didn't black out. You know, it was an accident. But ever since then, I, um, when I would do that move to people, you know, I grabbed their arm and hold the arm there, and I would just focus on jabbing that arm. Yeah, so I wasn't connected in their face and their head. I think the only person that actually knocked out. Well, Oakley claimed I knocked him out one time. I don't know if I did or not, but you know. But Christopher, you know, as a tag team with the Faith Foundation, you know, I, I thought we did good together, man. No, when just a tag team, it was a friendship outside the ring. It was a bond. It was a family. It was a brotherhood, and you know, we had that that chemistry in the ring. Uh, you had the um, the ground and pound, the Greco Roman. And I had the unorthodox style. You didn't know what I was going to do. You could put you somebody in a move. Yeah. You could put somebody in a move, and next thing you know, here I come either off the top rope or off the side, and I'm doing something to them. And you just turn around and like, jaw wide open, like, you just do that? Yeah, I just did that. That was awesome. High five, and we go right back in the match. Well, let me ask you this, my friend. Is it, is it, I know we've been you both left the business a couple of years ago. But at this, at this present time and day, is there any chance of Chris Dickens and Survivor of Pain locking up one more time? Either we try to do some, you know, business one-on-one or let's let's go on the interstate, man. Let's go put Dead Reckoning in Shame and show what tag team wrestling is all about, you know? Anybody can put Dead Reckoning in Shame. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I think I think I think the booming idiot and, and, and Captain Obvious could do a damn good job putting that record in the shame. <laughs> hey, I, I love that tag team. My favorite tag team named it, by the way, was the them guys. Mm-hmm. Superheroes in training. <laughs> <laughs> Superheroes in training. Um, as far as it goes with us ever, you know, teaming up, going on the indie scene, or you know, even having matches anywhere else. You know, at the time right now. This is the closest thing I do to wrestling, and that's being brutally honest. Yeah, you know I've had plenty of offers since AWF shut down, and since I left, you know Flatline Pro. Flatline Pro was the last promotion I was with, and you know we'll touch about the AWF scenario, you know, second part. Yeah, yeah. But they were the last one I was with. I left, you know, on my own accord, no hard feelings. Got thanked for everything I did. And then you did a good job. And then the offers started flooding in. Do production here, uh, help a booking here, help be on the committee here. Uh, we would love for you to perform here, and each one of them I've turned down. I cannot honestly say what the future holds because I'm not a, I'm not a fortune teller. You know, I can't. I don't have a crystal ball. I can gaze in and look and say, "Oh, I'm gonna be in spandex and knee pads at this place." During this time, getting knocked unconscious by Survivor of Pain. It's not going to happen. I actually got, uh, like, speaking of Crystal Ball, we was at Walmart not too long ago, the whole Magic 8-Ball. We, we can ask an 8-Ball question. I shook it up. Will Chris Diggins ever step back in the ring and be successful? And the thing says, not likely. And I was like, no! I started shaking it again. <laughs> and it says, 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe if you shook it a little bit more, it'd be like, leave me alone. <laughs> Do I come to your house and shake your balls? I mean, <laughs> Will I ever meet that nine ball? Leave my balls alone. <laughs> but no, I can't, I can't say for sure if Chris Dickens is completely out of the wrestling business. Like I said, this is, this is the wrestling business right here. The shootout... Deals with the behind-the-scenes stuff of the wrestling business. You know, this is the boys talking about their careers and the happenings during those careers. Right. So this is the business. And I can't say, you know, as far as being a performer, will that happen in the future? Because everybody gets the itch every now and then. This isn't the first time I've left wrestling. I mean, I've left wrestling numerous times. It stopped feeling fun to me in 2010. And then I would come back, and then it would feel the same way, and I would leave. And 2012 is when I come back, and I got a feeling, I got a drive, and then, like I said, we'll talk about that later. But it's not necessarily saying that I won't get that drive again. I'll have to get myself in better shape, but, you We're know. working on that, brother. We're working on that. You know, never say never. Never say that's, never. That's, 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 that's what his thing used to say. Never say never. never well, his only thing for sure is nothing's for sure. Uh, uh, perfect example. Sting's promo at the last Nitro. I love that promo. I think it's the best promo Sting ever cut. He's surrounded by the bats. And he's talking about the last night. It's a historic night. One more dance with the nature boy. You know. And then he says, for all those who are wondering what the future holds for Sting, well... The only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. So to to take and you know take that phrase from Sting, the only thing for sure about Chris Dickens is expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected will do, my friend. All right, this has been the shootout. We're on for that time this first segment. We'll be right back shortly with part two with Chris Dickens and Bill Blanchard, the Pain Foundation. Thank you. 